<laughs> what? <laughs> Nothing. I was just thinking about this week and how yeah. much, how much stuff went on. How much stuff got compacted between last Friday and this Friday. It's uh, and how we're all we're both still alive and it, sober. We're just barely it's amazing. It's amazing. You know, and incidentally, uh, it's also the same week where I'm. I have decided, or I've been sort of convinced by outside forces. Uh, outside of my control that we shouldn't go on so long about our personal lives. I've gotten another, another complaint on, on the Facebook. Who, who complained? It was, uh, I wanted to queue up the, uh, the actual comment, but it was just something like, it was one of our ads, you know, I do oh. these ads, addiction oh, I saw recovery that this comment. Morning, yeah. And you know, she, maybe she was kidding, but it really hit home. You know, she was like, um, yeah, I, uh, I, I gave it a listen, and your wife was right. <laughs> you should just move on. Move on yeah, already. Yeah. I switched it yeah. off. So um, so now I've, I, was, I was all in my head about it. I'm like, oh, maybe we do go. And here I am going on too long. No, that lady, though, um, dropped in and defended defended you. Oh, she did? Did you read that? No. Yeah. yeah. Well, thank you, lady. That was good. Someone else. I didn't see who. I, I actually put a, a comment there, too. About an hour, less than an hour ago, I was like, listen, we're not everybody's cup of tea. Thanks for listening. <laughs> but why you do know? we feel the need to explain ourselves? That's the other thing. I'm I like, don't you feel know the what? need to explain. I'm not going to change the format of the show because of some disgruntled person on the internet who got an ad in her feed that she doesn't like. You, you know? know, I'm a codependent, <laughs> a codependent people pleaser. So mm, I, um, that, that, I don't like that word. I don't yeah. even think that exists. Codependency. I think that's a made up psychobabble term. I just read that in one of our books. Who's, who just said that? I don't know, but I'm adopting it as my own position. Yeah. It was a book we just read, I'm, yeah. and I'm reading too many books, too, so I'm getting confused. And we're back. Welcome to Recovery in the Middle Ages, the podcast about two middle-aged suburban dads and their pursuit of life, love, and recovery. I'm Nat X. And yeah, he, you are. And I'm Mike. They, Although it's funny because I've been several different people this week, depending you? on what I've been doing. Okay. Uh, but more on that later. We'll go, get go you on, on the on, couch on, and on. talk about yeah. it. But boy, do we have a show for you today on RMA. It's another freezing Friday with your favorite middle-aged cutie pies. The oh, Munsters have been all abuzz about fitness and recovery lately. So we pulled the thread on health and fitness in recovery. All this and more today on a very special edition of RMA. Pulling the fitness thread? The thread. I've been saying that a lot. I've been pulling the fitness thread quite a bit lately. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So pulling the thread, pulling the thread. It's a new thing. I'm so uh, this episode is brought to you by Recovery in the Middle Ages Patreon. I cut this down significantly, people. So I'm sorry. Yes, I know. What I is Patreon? Go on. And it's on. a members-only subscription service featuring Discord, private messages, chat, and video meeting platforms. <laughs> what the hell? Why? For all of your that's patrons. what it is. It's like having a recovery support family right at your fingertips. Members will get extra mini shows. They're not that many. They're though. not mini. No, it's about an hour. And we do video and we, we edit in 
effects and things in the videos. You're not talking it up enough. It is awesome, and we're getting a lot out of the uh, the Discord discussion. Join us on there. We're having so much fun. It's twenty four seven. I even got a couple comments like, "Wow, Nat, you are always on." Yes, so <laughs> yes, you are. You are always on. So if you come on there and expect that uh, we won't talk back, just wait. Yeah, uh, you'll be sick of us before you, long. You can just say anything, and I'll pop on and go, "Hi, um, I'm not lonely." Think, think of Nat as your your internet stalker that you that you pay money to visit your your life every once in a while. Yes. Um, members get mini shows, pictures. What yeah, pictures do I they posted get? A few what, what sort of pictures are you referring to? <laughs> no, nothing lascivious. It's, uh, you know, be- behind the scenes. Sometimes we, we snapshot so what's oh, going right. on here at the studio. and We should do uh, that. We do. I did. You just I know, don't I saw pay it. attention. I'm on there all the time. Yes. Not yesterday. No. I was busy. Uh, yesterday was nuts. Uh, exclusive merch for joining. Yeah. So in each tier, there's three tiers. $3, $8, $12 monthly. The uh, eight and twelve get a special mug with the uh, with the logo of the tier that you're on. Uh, the three dollar inner sanctum guys get a cool sticker. It's awesome. What do they get for the golden circle? Golden circle. It's a special logo. It's like our logo with the golden circle, and it says golden circle. <laughs> uh-huh. And uh, yeah. And does that come on a piece of something? It's a mug. Oh, all right. Yeah, mugs to the to the eight and twelve. Um, Mugs to the eight and twelve word. So patreon.com slash recovery in the middle ages. Uh, I'd like to just say welcome to all the monsters listening stateside around the world, down the street, across the table and right next door. Welcome all settle in, buckle up and get ready for excitement, comedy, tragedy, intrigue, mystery. And so much more. Where can they find us, Mike? Well, Nat. They could find us at middleagesrecovery.com. You should see see Mike cringe when I do that. It's (laughs) worth the price of admission. Well, when we transition to our video shows, perhaps they will be able to watch us in all our cringy glory. Cringing at all my Um, schlocky humor. Podbean, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, and more. See, now you're saying more. more. YouTube. We're on everything, guys. You go out there, search. We're on it. We're best on on Facebook, though. You can say, Alexa, play Recovery in the Middle Ages, and boom. Shit. Quiet. Do you have an Alexa in here? No, I don't. Sometimes she does that thing. Um, yeah, come hang out with us. Get the show updates. Meet other monsters. Funny memes. The latest news and views on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and now on the Inner Sanctum at patreon.com slash recovery in the Middle Ages. See? Had to get that in there you again, got it. right? You, you are a marketing That's me. genius. Product placement. Uh, but please join our recovery support and monster hangout den on the private Facebook group found on our public-facing page under groups. Under did groups. I read that right? You did. We also have weekly RMA recovery meetings. Now these are getting really interesting. They're 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 chaired by uh, Grants, G Money Smooth, and uh, Aaron. or Aaron, depending on uh, what week it is, um, or as the you know whoever decides to do it on a, uh, a given day. If you have trouble finding the link, you can email Mike R at middleagesrecovery.com, and I can tell you that I can't find it either. <laughs> uh, it's actually at the top of the page under events, and once you're yeah. in the private Facebook group, so. It's, it's easy to find. And, and we're having a drop lot of in. fun. We usually average like, I don't know, about 10, 10 11 yeah. people per week. It's getting there. Which, gives, which is a nice size because it gives everybody who wants to speak a chance to speak. Yeah. And uh, it's not so big that it's unwieldy. Yeah. You know. And it's not dogmatic. It's, it's pretty, pretty loose, but you know, we do a topic and it's, it's been great. Right now it's 11.30 a.m. Eastern Standard Time on Sundays, but we're... Looking, you know, the monsters are running it, so I think the more it grows and the more people are involved, there will be other Maybe they'll throw other a meetings. separate section yeah. for um, people whose time it works better for, right? right? Mm-hmm. Um, 
So if you go to our webpage, you can um, leave us a story in the Your Story section. You can also go to Apple Podcasts, and we really would appreciate this because we've been getting more reviews and, and more downloads as a result, I've noticed. We have 100 reviews now. Yes, it's pretty, that's a lot. It is. Yeah. Um, on the Apple Podcast app, if you can do that. Um, uh, so yeah, or call the RMA hotline, yes. which is still active. This is active year-round from now on, guys. 516-888-6297. We love it when you whoop, use your <laughs> finger. <laughs> Sorry, we stole that from another second-rate comedian yeah. that we know. Um, yeah, seriously, give us a call. Leave us a joke. Do whatever, you know. Yeah, we'll Tell play it. Tell us a story, whatever. If you, you know. think we won't play it, try us. This is your show as <laughs> much it. as it is ours. Yeah, I'll play it. Yep. Doesn't matter what it is. Uh, within reason, right? right? Uh, finally, the best way to help the show is to share it with a friend. If you get something out of it, share the love and help grow the RMA movement. And we have a review, do we not? We do. Um, so this review is from Apple Podcasts, uh, and uh, the title is Real Life Discussion. Uh, it was Wednesday by GMC66, and they say, I'm really enjoying and learning about recovery from this podcast. The two men, that's us, <laughs> men. <laughs> Tell stories about their past experiences and go in depth about recovery methods. So far, my favorite episode has been about MAT uh, with one of the guys' mother-in-law. <laughs> that was my mother-in-law. Right, that was you. Uh, she was knowledgeable and easy to listen to. We got to get her back on. Yes. Uh, I also like uh, how there's a wee bit of humor <laughs> with just it. a wee bit, <laughs> lessening uh, the message or going on too long. Uh, okay. Bravo, middle-aged guys. P.S. The episode about all those workers returning with addictions after pandemic was very thought-provoking. Maybe that's why so many people haven't returned to work. Yeah, they're just sitting home doing drugs instead. Word. Right? I think. Who wants to work when I, you can sit home and do drugs all day? You have to ask, why was it so easy for me to get a job? Yeah. Because not many people can uh, you know, emerge from their opium haze to <laughs> actually show up. So I sent the review to my mother-in-law because, you know... She she had COVID, so Aww. she was just kind of lying around, not doing much. Did she get a kick out of it? She got a she really got a kick out of it. Yeah, she she was mystified. She probably didn't think anyone would listen. Yeah, to this. she <laughs> she doesn't know that we're you know that people listen. There are a couple yeah. of you out there, and we thank you. Um, what's next? I next, think I think it's time for uh, for monsters speak. Uh, I wrote that, you know, oh God. and I performed all the instruments. Like that's horrible. We have to. <laughs> what do you mean it's we, horrible? Uh, Jesus! All right, we'll make a new one. <laughs> Come on, dude! All right, for the second time, it was better. I don't know you why. Think you, you consider yourself a musician, and you don't like that. And you use that organ that's like from that Billy Joel song, you know, <laughs> crazy psychedelic circus organ. Don't give me a MIDI controller. <laughs> All right, that settles it. That is the Monster Speak song. <laughs> sorry, sorry. We will. Uh, so, and Monsters Speak, we, uh, as we said, you know, fitness has started to be such a big part of our discussion lately, and I, I'm shocked and uh, and appalled. No, I'm not appalled. I'm actually. I just didn't think discussions about fitness would go this far. <laughs> Why would anyone want to be fit? I don't know. <laughs> But apparently, this is a big thing for people in recovery, and especially our monsters. Let's not let's not say fitness. Let's say health and fitness. Health and fitness. Because if you just say fitness, you're going to lose like 
all the audience that is not interested. Oh, yeah. in <laughs> you said that to me this <laughs> morning, and I just didn't understand why. Would because fitness? a lot of people, like you know, when they hear like they got to go to the gym or something, oh. they get like, "Oh, fuck that!" You know. Oh, I didn't even consider that. There's a lot of people that don't like exercise or do anything, which is know. you know fine to each their own. I, I count know? myself as one of those these past four or five months. You know, I'm totally yeah, but you off have track. A, you have a history. Of working out and stuff. History right? of violence. So, yeah, I anyway. mean, I've been, but still. Uh, so, so anyway, so, so people have posted things, right? People have posted things. And, and you're right. I was also a little surprised at, at the um, the number of people that were in, interested in talking yeah. about fitness. But I guess part of that is it's, it's the new year. People yeah. have their resolutions, which I, I, I decided I don't like the word. Somebody else said they have intentions, and I prefer that. I have, yeah. I have New Year's intentions. <laughs> Right. I don't resolve. I intend. It's yeah. it's, it's, a, it's a lesser standard. The but, intent that matters. Uh, so anyway, I, I threw something out there. And where was this on the? Uh, this was on the Inner Sanctum Fitness Sub. What do you call that? What would you even call that? Sub, sub discussion. Sub discussion. Because you can you can put different headers up for different discussions. Like we have, like if you are, if any of you were to ever join, you would find discussions about recovery books and movies, about fitness, about music, you know, that sort of thing. And yeah. we separate them out so they don't all get confused with one another. I just have a really general one. I just put a gr- good morning. Yeah. Good morning. I, I love the saying good morning every morning. I think that's, you know, an underrated uh, practice is saying good morning. Yeah. Okay. Well, so good, it's on there. Good morning. <laughs> Uh, anyway, so I threw a post out there and said, how is everyone doing with the fitness routines? I have been inside on the treadmill, but managing to get to the garage for a workout on schedule, despite the fact that it's freezing. See, I want people to feel bad for me that I'm, you know. Yes, you're a martyr. Uh, diet is also better, but there's too many cookies around here. It isn't mm. safe for me to walk through the kitchen. It's funny because I posted a follow-up to that and I said, yeah, I, I, said I, my, I said my diet. It's on Oh, here. is it? Okay, yep. well. But I also said my diet's doing okay, but I'm, I'm dictating this while I'm eating ice cream. Right. So there's that. <laughs> anyway. Um, so what, we got a bunch of responses, right? Yep. Uh, Lisby uh, was first. I think there was a, more than this, but uh, there's quite a few here. Lisby says, I have a heated jacket and heated gloves. Uh, a lot of battery management, yeah. <laughs> but I can walk, snowshoe, XC, I guess cross-country ski, and great workouts. My small personal training gym still open and feels safe. My indoor pool classes are on hiatus due to COVID. Uh, I'm craving fruit all the time. Could it be a substitute for Chardonnay? Fruit is an excellent substitute for Chardonnay. Yeah, well, the sugar and <laughs> okay, we're going to talk about that now. No, no, uh, maybe. Yes, I mean it's a perfect segue. So it is a good segue. Sh- sugar cravings. Uh, we talked about this a little bit more. There was some more discussion on it. Um, I did a little research on sugar cravings. Well, it, it's true about uh, recovering heroin addicts. I mean, when I was in rehab, the uh, they made a point. And this was one of those rehabs that considers sugar like a dangerous drug. So mm. they would put a bowl of candy in the middle of right. the groups and they would say, you know, you're, you know, coming off of opiates, you're going to be craving the sugar and everybody was sitting there, you know, noshing. Do you know why you crave sugar? I would love to know. I'm going to tell you. Thank you. Because it always comes up, right? Uh, I'm a member of some fitness oriented recovery Facebook groups like the, I've mentioned the Peloton Sober uh, Moms group that I'm in. Right. No, it's not moms. It's just it's the Peloton Silver Group. It is a lot of moms. But um, and it, it, it's the same thing. Everybody that quits drinking gets a massive sweet tooth, right? Yeah. And I always used to think that it was because alcohol, alcoholic drinks, you know, even wine and beer, a lot of sugar in them. That's what they say. Right? Or it turns into sugar or right. something. Yeah. So my, my operating theory in my head was that, well, that's 
your your body is so used to having that as a fuel that when you take it away and you're still working out, mm. you have to replace it with other quick glucose and that sort of thing. Right. And that's part of it. It is true that there is some some but of that involved, but that's not the whole story. Um, you know, it's it, it's just totally natural to think that you're craving sugar because your body's used to the high sugar and alcohol. But deeper link, according to some recent studies, eating sweets causes your brain to release dopamine, um, which is, uh, of course, the reward-based chemical that we've discussed at length in other huh. episodes. So um, that's why it's a similar reaction to opiates, which you would, which are not sweet necessarily, but you still get that craving because you can really jack your opiates up by eating sugar. Oh, that's like why they... Is that why they say when you're eating chocolate, it, it, it's akin to feeling love? Yeah, well, that could be. chocolate's a different thing because chocolate works on the echocannabinoid system. Oh. So there's some, but but I mean, the echocannabinoid system also is related to dopamine. I release, like saying right? that word too, cannabinoid. 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 I like cannabinoid. Is that how it is? I don't know. That's how I say it. Instead okay. of cannabinoid, I think cannabinoid. Hmm. Say it again. Cannabinoid. Cannabinoid. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> so it, there is some blood sugar issues, you know, as well. Um, because the liver and the glycogen and all, uh, you know. Yeah, I don't know if it's something to, to really go crazy worrying about, but, um, you know, of course you want to continue to be healthy and you don't want to overdo it. But if you are coming off of heroin or you're, you know, coming off of... Uh, and you want to maintain your strict exercise routine. You know, <laughs> just, you know, watch your sugar intake. Uh, just be wary of it. But um, See, I'm going to I'm gonna have the exact opposite advice. I'm going to say keep, if it's the first three months or six months off of... Uh, you're coming off of uh, uh, years of alcohol abuse yeah. or opioid abuse. Don't worry about the sugar. Eat as much of the fucking sugar as you want because you're not doing drugs and you're not drinking. And the sugar craving eventually will go away. Yeah, sugar's not like cigarettes because they used to tell us that too in rehab where the ones that would let us smoke, you know, and if someone questioned them on it and said, how could you, you know, why don't you treat, you know, smoking the same way? They said, listen, this guy just came off the street or he was just came from this situation. You know, smoking is the least of his worries. Yeah. You know, it's, it's a harm it reduction him. strategy. And I read stories about, um, there was an article in the New York Times, I don't know, like 10 years ago or something, but uh, I was just thinking about it where uh, they talked about in um, mental uh, hospitals, or um, where they allowed the patients who were, uh, you know, living there basically to smoke and they built it into their day as a yeah. part of their recovery. Right. Because they, they said, you know, the studies that they had or what they saw was that it really calmed them down and it gave them a little bit of, um, I don't know, like it, they think it helped. It, it definitely helps. Do they also put out like bowls full of like uh, gummy bears Probably. and Swedish fish. Yeah. yeah. Um, so it's the lesser of three evils, I guess. Yeah. I mean, my own experience when I, when I quit drinking was that I had really intense sugar cravings for like three months. And probably because I didn't change my exercise routine all that much. And, mm. and I had just taken away all of that easily accessible glycogen. But somehow or other, the body will, will, will reach a homeostasis after a couple of months. Yeah. And, and you don't even have to do anything. <laughs> and, and so my experience and the experience of a lot of the people that I've, um, you know, encountered with on, on Facebook who, who suffer from similar issues is that the craving eventually goes away. Huh. 
That's good. Unless I, you've really fucked up your liver, in or, which case, right. you know, maybe you should see a doctor. But um, so who else? Oh, we've got someone who just uh, just joined Patreon. Uh, she's the latest monster to enter the inner sanctum. Mm. Her name is Celestial Bean. That's her username. And she's from uh, across the pond, right? Yes. Because I saw the thing come up on my notifications that she had pledged a certain number of pounds. Yes, and I was br- like, I pounds. don't know what that means. but Right. So uh, send our best regards to the queen. And she says, hey, everyone. <laughs> not Prince Andrew, though. I'm not going to do the, uh, you know, the accident. <laughs> right. I'm giving Thank up you. on that. Thank you. Thank uh, you. Hey, everyone. Love this channel. So wanted to intro myself. I am six months sober and... I am almost two weeks into Atkins and loving it. Mm. I am not weighing myself for counting calories, but I can already feel that I am losing some of the extra weight I've gained over the last few months, about two stone. I don't know how many is a stone. Seven pounds? I just don't know. Can it's either seven or 17. We should ask uh, Rob out there. He's our one of our Across the Pond Monsters. Being super kind to myself and just enjoying the process. I am unable to do high-impact exercise, so I do yoga and lots of walking where available. Well done, everyone, on your progress, and I look forward to following you on all your journeys. Thank you so much, and welcome to yeah. the Inner Sanctum. One stone is 14 pounds. Uh-huh. So if you've lost two stones... You've lost 28 pounds. That's pretty impressive. You know, and for all the shit that Americans get for sticking with inches and feet, and, you know, they're so cool because they're on the metric system. Right. You know, you're still counting in terms of stone. So let's just, you know. But the Brits are the... Fair is fair. The Brits also are the other only ones that don't really use the metric system, right? They have inches and feet. Do they? And yards. Because isn't it the king's foot or something? You can drink a yard of beer. It, really? Do you remember the yard, those yard beer glasses? Yeah, but... Oh, yeah. They were like these long... They look like they belong in a yeah. laboratory. Yeah. yeah. I never put that together. A yard of beer. Well, I didn't drink much. I'm just kidding. Really? I drank too yeah. much. Um, and moving on, we've got Melissa M. She says, I'm trying to focus on diet. Moved all the chocolate... There's a lot of L's there. All the chocolate out... chocolate, I guess. Out to the garbage and... Four, five L's worth Five of L's. And only buying cookies that I don't like but the rest of the family does fig newtons yuck excuse me yeah i'm gonna stop on the fig newtons i was abused as a child with fig newton not the way you may be thinking no but um my mother got it into her head that those were cookies that we should only eat because they're very healthy well i don't know what her thinking was because she drank a bit so (laughs) who knows But that was all there was. I can't even look at them. They disgust me. I love Fig Newtons. Ugh, you disgust me, sir. Uh, I can only work out every other week. Stepdaughter is anorexic, and it's a bad example to work out with her around. That's interesting. I like working out in the cold. Um, Jen D. And uh, we could pull the thread on that one. That's um, interesting. Uh, Jen D. Yesterday at 12, 10 p.m., on track. That's <laughs> that relevant information. <laughs> no, Timestamp and um, the IP address. No. Uh, following Whole30, this is, I guess, a kind of um, workout regimen. Yes. Do you know Whole30? I don't. It's a diet regimen. Oh. Whole30. My, I just starved myself. Uh, because I seem to need a regimen. Used to follow keto and lost over 25 pounds, but I ended up with high cholesterol. Mm, that's the problem. Yeah. That was probably a combo of keto and Tito. <laughs> <laughs> that's a vodka. Wait. There yes, you go. Thank you. Uh, concentrating on some sort of workout every morning to keep the crazies away. Yes. And eating healthy to lower that cholesterol and BP. Alcohol and stress have done a number on my health stats. Yes. Want to read the next one? Yeah. I just want to think for a minute on uh, keeping the crazies away. 
Uh, I just want to meditate on that yeah. concept for a minute because I, that's why I do it. I run every day despite the fact that I'm <laughs> have sustained some repetitive stress injuries over the years because if I didn't, I would be a fucking mess. And I used to tell you all the time when I was running how much better I would feel. Yes. I'd run out. And so that's why my craziest, and I'll talk about this a little bit in the life update, I am going crazy. Yes. Um, and it's you stay know, tuned. Stay tuned. That's for going to go crazy in a few minutes. Uh, let's see. We're never gonna also, survive. the Whole30 mm-hmm. is a good program. It's sort of like modified paleo diet. So mm. it's it's some vegetables and meat and low carb. You know, Sounds but, exciting. It, but it's a little more permissive than a, than a keto diet. Anyway, uh, Meg P says, I joined a group to train for our local marathon this year. I usually train alone. Here, here. Our Saturday morning runs are at 7 a.m. And back when I was drinking wine, those would have been impossible for me. I am thankful. Um, Allie P says, I'm doing just okay with 75 hard. This has been coming up a lot. Um, unless it was just her saying it. I think it was her saying it a couple of times. Uh, Getting up at four and doing yoga before work and workout after. Did a tread boot camp last night and it was tough. Diet could be better. My sweet tooth gets me, but every day is a new opportunity. I'm definitely not getting a gallon of water and work makes that impossible, literally, but I do... Physics makes that impossible. (laughs) Exercise is a non-negotiable for me. I love that. It's the no matter what club. Exactly. We do that in recovery too. We say the no matter what club. Uh, Definitely keeps the crazy at a tolerable level. Everybody's keeping the crazies at a tolerable level. I like this. Um, Okay. You know what? A gallon of water? Is that even possible? It is. I used to do it when I was bodybuilding. A gallon? But what about about hyponutremia? Aren't you worried about that? You take the gallon and you drink it all day. Okay. Yeah, you don't like in one. I mean, that's what I used to do. Really fuck with your electrolytes. Um, And finally, Wharf Dad, uh, one of our twits. I'll read the Wharf Dad because that's a a Grateful Dead reference. You know that, right? Yes. Uh, Yesterday at 2.31 p.m. Oh, Jesus. There I am again, Mm -hmm. reading the time. Uh, I'm trying to get back on track next week. The local low-key CrossFit gym for middle-aged folks is starting to do 9 a.m. classes five days a week. I'm going to give it a try as the early morning ones are too intense. I tried CrossFit a bit. You know what? You're familiar with CrossFit? Uh, I've heard of it, but I don't know what they do. It's, it's really, like jumping on things and it's like, pulling ropes. Uh, what's metabolic conditioning? It's really high intensity. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like you'll like you'll you'll lift um, you'll lift like weights for 30 seconds as fast as you can, or you do like all these burpees and everything. It's crazy. I I did it a little while, like 10 years ago, and I kept getting injured, so mm. I stopped. But yeah, it seems a little nutty. Yeah, and um, um, oh, then there's me talking about Fig Newtons. Yes. Yeah. You run when it's 30 below outside. No, I said, I I don't mind the working out in the cold up to a point, but that point's at about 30 degrees. Right. <laughs> uh, like I said, I was in Calgary for a work thing a couple years ago, mm-hmm. and I was in a mediation with this woman who was also a runner, and we were talking, and she was telling me <laughs> that her cutoff is 30 below. And that, oh, wow. Yeah, because I was in Calgary in January, and it was like five degrees. And I went running outside, and I was like, this, man. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I don't know who does this. But anyway, she was telling me she wears uh, ski goggles yeah. and, you know, like a, what do you one call of those it? face masks, Hannibal yeah. Lecter masks and stuff. And I felt know. that kind of weather. when I, The first time when I went to the Crane School of Music, upstate, way upstate, I, it got to 30 and 40 below with no wind. Yeah, and it was so cold. You, you couldn't wear earrings. One morning, it, I guess it rained a little. I couldn't open the door to my car, not even with a, like 
picking away at the ice. It was Jesus. so frozen shut. Yeah. Uh, so that, why why do places like that exist? Why is Potsdam up there? That was my first college. Um, I don't know. It's just past the Adirondacks. Like, when did people? It's cold up there. Man. I think it's by the Racket River or something. Yeah. And, and it was a, a through fair for I don't know commerce. The Erie Canal maybe, maybe. goes through there from the Thousand Islands. And um, anyway, so fitness, health, fitness, and recovery, super important. Um, We're going to do more on that after the life update. Yeah. And, uh, you know, now we are going to go over our insane, our freezing, our uh, dangerous week. I mean, so many things happened this week that I can't even believe. Um, But I thought maybe we would start off uh, with you. Me? Yes. (laughs) Where to begin? Well, um, okay. I'm going to start with my encounter with that's what I'm thinking. The lawbreakers, because this has got to be weighing on your mind. You know, you got to get it out, Mike. Get it out. I'm going to get it out. I'm going to get it out. So here's the story. Uh, I sleep with my dog and my wife, all three of us, in bed together. Okay. It's a small dog, small white yappy dog. Okay. Got it. Anytime the wind blows the tree in the wrong direction, the dog, you know. So three o'clock in the morning, lying in bed. Uh, No, not a guard dog. What's the other kind of dog? A watchdog. A watchdog. Because they watch, but guarding is not their thing. Um, Dog barks. Uh, Roll over. You know, I'm a fairly light sleeper, which is why I sleep with earplugs and a noise machine, both which irritates my wife because yeah. she's like, if you have earplugs and why do you need a noise machine? And I can't stand the noise machine and I'm not sympathetic, but whatever. I apologize, hon. Um, neurotic. <laughs> and that's the way I've always been. Um, so the dog barks once I blow it off, barks again. I kind of half sit up and I look out the window and I see somebody walking in the street in front of the house. So I'm like, now I'm interested. So I get up and I go to the window and I look out and there's a guy going through my wife's car, which is parked at the curb, and going through my car, which is in the driveway. Uh, And I see a white van, like, idling in front of the house. So I I open the window. I go, what the fuck are you doing? You know, New York fan. What the fuck are you doing? Get the fuck away from my car, you know? And so they they scurry off like little rats and get in the car, and then the car drives off. Wow. And what would a normal person do in that circumstance? Uh, Probably call the police. Mm, having lived in New York City for so many years and had yeah. my car broken into so many times, calling the police after just that yeah. didn't, <laughs> didn't, didn't enter into me, my, my thoughts. So, but a normal person would have taken the car keys and locked both cars, well, right? before it happened, sure. Oh, right after. Or right after it. Oh, you didn't? Right? No. Huh. Because I'm thinking, you know, I, well, I wasn't thinking, but who would think they would come back, right? Yeah. They came back. What? They came back 15 minutes later. Oh, that's right. Oh, my God. And, and they're like, this guy didn't even lock the car. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Well, uh, there was a reason they came back. They came back they to steal my car. <sighs> yes. My, t- my 2017 Toyota 4Runner, which, you know, is not making it's anybody a, a ton of money. She's you know? a beaut. Yeah. She's a beauty, and she, she tows things, which I like. Um, so uh, now I'm still awake. I haven't fallen back asleep. I hear the commotion. I hear my car start. Go to the window. The guy is sitting in the driver's seat of my car. Puts it in reverse, but the dumbass left the car door open. So he's sitting in the driver's seat, but the driver's door is open. He puts it in reverse, jams it in reverse, puts the throttle down. 
the door catches on my retaining wall, uh. preventing him from backing the car up any further. Now, at this point, I'm doing two things. I'm going to the gun safe to try and get my shotgun out. Wow. My wife is screaming out and got the phone in hand. She's calling 911. Yeah. The guy cannot figure out what is going, why he can't get the car out of the driveway. His friend's like, come on, you know? So he jumps out of my car and, and makes his way down the block to the other car that's waiting for him and says, you can have your shitty car back. And then he said something, something. Wow. Projects represent. That was the other thing. He did? Yeah. Yeah. What? <laughs> yeah. I didn't, you didn't tell me all this extra stuff. Uh, I don't know. I just, oh my God. And I was so like, I can't even, and, and this, this was so like, it shook you up. It did shake me up. Big so time. we call the police. The police come. You know, meanwhile, I'm sitting, I'm like, I don't know if this guy's going to come back and try and steal the car again. Yeah. So I'm sitting at the front door with a shotgun because I'm like a, a redneck and I'm a, I'm a liberal redneck in suburbia with my gun collection, you know, <laughs> that, you know, honestly, I'm not a gun guy, but I like to take the kids skeet shooting. So I get this stuff around. But anyway, I'm sitting, uh, sitting there. The cop shows up, you know, I, you know, he tells me that a week before they stole a car up in your neck of the woods. It was yeah. a Mustang and the guy had left the keys in the car. And it got me to thinking, like, what the fuck? How did this guy even get my car started? So I go out to the car. This is before the cop got there because I, it's still running. It's yeah, still in gear. I was going to say, how did he start it? Well, you know, I go scuba diving, right? And when you go diving on Long Island, you park your car somewhere and then you're under the water. What do you do with your car keys? Because they're all electronic, right? Beep, beep, and all that. You don't put it in your pocket, yeah. You can't put it in your wetsuit, right? <laughs> uh, except the valet key does not have the beep, beep thing on it. Oh. It's just a regular key. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So some point after one of my dives, I left it in the hump between the two front seats and it made its way to the bottom. I didn't even know it was in there. And he found he it. He found it. But I have so much shit in that thing. Anyway, I was freaking out. I mean, and, and then calling the police to your house at four o'clock in the morning is uh. always like a nerve wracking thing because, you know. Did they recognize you from our court appearance together? <laughs> Did you were that no, guy that no, defended no. Nat? No, these were these were different cops. Yeah. These were Nassau County cops, ah, I not see. Uh, not local cops. So that must have been a, a, a horrible experience, especially because you got to file a police report. Well, yeah, you the, know, you know the guy, I wrote out my statement. The guy took it, and and by the way, he's like the detectives will call you later. Never called. Never called. Ah. And and the thing is, these guys have been going through our neighborhood. For the last three nights, because everybody, you know, we put the thing on the community Facebook and everybody yeah. all of a sudden sends me videos of the same van driving around yeah. for three days. I'm like, the cops, if they just put somebody here, they could have caught this guy, but whatever. Uh, but that wasn't so much like, I didn't start freaking out about it until later on that day, because then I started thinking, well, you know, we basically were yelling at these guys. They're yelling, you know, fuck you. They're yeah. yelling at us, fuck you. I'm like, are they going to come back? Are they going to like decide that, you uh, yeah, know, maybe I've offended their honor yeah, and they're going to the come back? Thieves. Because I don't think they were there for just the stuff in the car because they left a bunch of Visa gift cards on the seat. They didn't yeah. take them, you know? So those aren't the guys that, because in our neighborhood, which is very close to yours, but we've had, you know, not like maybe six months ago in the pandemic, this was going around where mm. some group of kids, I think, or young men were just going into people's cars that were open and right. rifling through for change, you know, right. stuff, you know, I don't stuff. think this was that. This was a, like the professional uh, car theft ring that has been operating in some of the other neighborhoods that we've read about, but I cannot believe this is happening in our small little town. You know, we're, we're not even close to a highway or anything. So. No, that's the thing. It, this is, it was a very deliberate 
uh, thing. And the, the police told me that uh, they've been finding a lot of these cars like on the docks in Newark, like being ready to be shipped to Eastern Europe, you know, yeah. because all of a sudden uh, cars are in demand. Because of the pandemic, they, right? You know, so I didn't even think of that. So I'm so sorry that you had to go through that. And you know, when I, I texted you, like, you know, you guys can come stay at our house and all that. <laughs> yeah, I appreciated. I it. was dead serious, and my <laughs> my wife was like, "You're just looking for an excuse to, ha- you know, have a sleepover <laughs> with Mike, you know." But um, you know, it, it's it's such a uh, it's such a violation, you know, and that's your home, and you you don't, I don't know, like once that happens. I mean, you st- you feel like you, you know even the next day you were still kind of feeling uneasy. I was worse the next day because yeah. I didn't I didn't know if they were going to come back. So I you know I'm sitting up in my room. Yeah. I brought my camera and flashlight, and you know I had the shotgun out next to the bed, and yeah. I'm like this is in madness. Like I don't want to live yeah. like this. You know that's crazy. But you know what I didn't do? I didn't drink over it. Uh-huh. So They're you know, bringing it back to bringing, recovery. Bringing it back around Bring to recovery. To- I didn't drink over it, and have and and it was nice to have cops in my house at four o'clock in the morning for something I, I wasn't being accused of doing. Mm-hmm. It was somebody that's some, something somebody else did. So that was nice. <laughs> well, I'm glad that you survived it. Um, I wanted to mention this cold snap. And oh, yeah. if you guys remember last week when we came in, uh, there was a threat of a snowstorm or it was already it was snowing. The, it was in the midst of it. Yes. And so from that day, um, it was, we went crazy sledding. Mm. Uh, my, my sons were out with the neighbors, you know, in the front yard. It was like an old fashioned snowy day, you know, in New York. And it was just so cool. Cause we haven't been getting a lot of those because, you know, the climate change is, you know, creating this, uh, climate here where there's, it's just not snowing like it used to. Right. I felt like we used to have many weekends like that, but they had that snow day and we were just playing, you know, snowball fights. Uh, we went to the behind the high school. Yes. To do like all the kids in town go behind the high school. Right. There's that one sledding hill everybody yep. uses. And yeah. uh, and so we went there. And it was just, I was so glad to see both my kids, you know, playing with other kids. And it, it sounds like such basic things, but like they're not getting a lot of this, you know, no. because of the pandemic. That's right. Uh, and just to see them outside and playing with other kids and having fun, uh, you know, it was, it was a lot of fun. Um, I tried to get uh, you and Ben to to go uh, meet us at the high school, but you guys already, uh, he was already in the neighborhood or something. Yeah, Ben had uh, one of the neighbor kids he was playing around with in the backyard. Yeah. And then later on that day, I managed to entice both my 17-year-old and my 14-year-old out to the backyard for a pretty vicious snowball fight. Uh, <laughs> you know, those kids have, have arms that I don't have. So, yeah. you know, and they, they, they welcomed the opportunity to peg dear old dad yep. in the back of the head. You know, they were, they were loving that. <laughs> Sent Ben in the house crying after like 10 minutes, but me and the other two were out there uh, really going at it for, for a while. So that was awesome, you know. Yeah, we had a blast. The, the downside was um, my oldest son, Noah, he, uh, he got sick from it. Now, he's already had COVID at Christmas time. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, he had an elevated fever. So today was his first day back. He spent the last two days off. Yeah, and you know how this uh, how it affects me with <laughs> these have because it's all about me, right? But <laughs> I, this this makes things even more difficult. And uh, he was, you know, he was having a little hard time. So there was a downside, um, but overall, well, I mean, you sound much better today than you did like last weekend. I remember uh, oh, yeah. Sunday, you were fucking. I was ready to call the ambulance to have you evaluated. <laughs> <laughs> I mean. 
it was I uh, I wasn't even going to talk, but I did put it in the outline. It was <laughs> That's like why I figured you wanted to talk about it. It was yeah. in there. Um. So Sunday, I I mean I don't know if it's just all because I try and remain calm basically at all times. I try not to over you know overreact to things or you know. But that day, I had uh, just so many things were happening at once and. Usually, I, I I can handle everything, you know, mostly. I, I can be on top of it. But Sunday, I felt like it got on top of me. Um, <laughs> my family got tickets, these free tickets to go to Disney on Ice um, just the night before. And, uh, and I couldn't go, but I didn't remember why I couldn't go. It was weird. I, like, had something inside me that says, I can't, I have to get to church because I'm the Sunday school teacher. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then we have the RMA meeting. And, and I'm like, I really can't just kind of like skip out on Sunday here. And it just like the look my son gave me when he was like, wait, you're not coming? Mm-hmm. His face just fell. And, you know, I'm an empath. So like when I see that, I feel it, especially when it's my son. And uh, man, it just broke my heart. I was so upset with myself and uh, I was so apologetic to him. And it was just like the shaking the head and looking down, you know, you're always not, you know, I can't, yeah, yeah. you know, you're not coming. This is family day. And oh my God, I was so gutted over it. Um, and I was like, you know what? I'm just going to do my thing. There's nothing I can do now. I'll make it up to him. They were only going to be gone like a few hours. Right. I'll make it up to him. And I'm making my way. Again. And it's Disney on ice. Yeah. It's I not- <laughs> Yeah. All right. Um, but, uh, I started to get ready to go to church to do Sunday school five minutes before 10 when I'm supposed to be there. I'm just leaving the house. I get a call from the, uh, the secretary. Oh, Hey Matt. Yep. And she says, um, you know, you're lay reader today. Did you, you know, are you going to be here? And (laughs) I said, Oh, and lay reader is just what it sounds like. You know, you are up on stage, I guess you could say, and reading announcements and you have to read a Bible verse and right. I was not really dressed up for it. I didn't have time to prepare. I'm already, you know, in my head about what happened with Noah that morning. And now I'm racing to get to the church on time. The The service can't start until I was there. Wow. Because the lay reader and the pastor are on together. Deacon Nat is holding up the works. And uh, let me tell you, I've done a million things at that church, and I don't get nervous. I've played trumpet solos. I played guitar. You know, we did the, all kinds of stuff I do in that church. For some reason, well, mostly because I wasn't prepared that day, but I get so nervous as the lay reader. So, oh, my goodness. I ran in. I grabbed the, the thing I'm supposed to read, and I'm just shaking, and I'm nervous. And Keep in mind, there's maybe 15 people there. You know, it, 20, 25. You, do you simulcast? Yeah. Okay. So, so it was there's on, maybe hundreds yes. more listening at home. And it was so in my head. And I was. I even looked to the organist and I'm like, oh, can you give me stage directions? And uh, she just looked at me. And I've known her a thousand. And she's like, what? Stand here. Like, Forget it, you know. In any case, it was fine. I Where's did my cue? Where's my cue? <laughs> I did a great reading of, you know, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I think it's Psalm 29 or something. And uh, But I felt awful about it. And after, the deacon stands with the pastor and greets everybody on the way out. Right. And I'm looking at Pastor Jeff like, oh, I'm so sorry, you know. And he's like, what are you talking about? And I was like, I, know, I can't believe I was so discombobulated. He goes, you did great, you know. And everybody was like thanking me for, you know, doing a great read. And in my head, I was all over the place. And after that, I, had, I raced to my store because I'm doing going out of business sales, which is another thing. 
And, uh, and we did the RMA recovery meeting, and I felt a lot better, but until, you know. You seemed a little, a little high strung during the meeting. Yeah. Just a little bit. Yeah, if you guys noticed that, you know, I apologize. I was in such a state. It's, uh, it's Psalm 23. Yes, just thank in you. Case. I know. <laughs> and, um, you know, that, it's funny, your experience with the reading. Um, when we first started doing this podcast and we would talk, when we would finish, I would think, my God, that was horrible. I could hardly get words out. And, right. and you go back and listen to it, and it sounds fine. And it's because, like, all that internal dialogue where yeah. you're saying all this stuff about what you, you're thinking about what you're saying, all that, none of that carries carries out into the final product. Right. Right? So, similarly at church, like, so you're getting yourself all worked up in your head about all this stuff that's oh. going on. Meanwhile, like, you're... Your performance was fine. It was Isn't that fine, weird. But that happens. I, you know, I was all freaked out. I called you. I'm like, Mike, I got to talk to you. You know, calling my tandem sponsor, and uh, you know, you heard me. I was like, and then you're like, whoa, you know. And here I am. I'm also behind the counter waiting for people to come in, and and man, and then just the rest of the day, you know, I got through it, and the family came home, and everything was fine. And but what I'm noticing is. Like I'm, I'm. This is happening to me more and more. Last night, same thing. I started to get a panic attack. Mm. I don't know if it's a panic attack. I didn't like my chest didn't close up or anything like that. But I was starting to feel that way again. And I wonder if uh, all the stress, the emotional, and mental stress of me closing the store, because I'm keeping it together. When people come into my shop, I keep it together. I put on a happy face. I make them feel better about it because they're like, oh, I can't believe you're closing. I'm like, I know. Um, maybe it's just all coming to the surface in, in, the, in these panic attacks. I think that's 100% you know? that that's what's happening. That, you know, all of these feelings that you're having that you can't express outwardly to the people who are coming into the store or, you know, in other avenues are bur- bursting out as panic attacks. Yeah. So, so maybe, I mean, I've got, what should I do, monsters? I mean, it's probably just, I, I mean, I need to meditate. Delta 8 CBD. <laughs> <laughs> See, but the, the miracle of this all is I didn't use, I didn't drink. And that, that was my tool. Life on life's terms, Nat. Life <laughs> on life's terms. So, but the, the other side of that coin is, okay, I didn't use drugs and alcohol to get through it. What did I use? What was, you know, the tools that I went to? Um, you know, we did the recovery meeting yes. uh, and I called you and yes. I breathed it out and I didn't have to drink over it. And, um, you know, there's nothing, uh, there's no problem that having a drink can't make worse. Right. You know, you and, would just be anxious and drunk, yeah. <laughs> which is not where you want to be. Exactly. One final thought uh, yes. on the week. Uh, the same day that I was awoken at 3 a.m. by the perpetrators going through my car, I had committed to recording a um, two-hour-long panel discussion yes. uh, on drinking in the legal profession. So, uh, and it was an extremely busy work day as well. So, wow. like, I had there was no breathing room. But uh, did the panel? I think it went off very well. And I'm trying to reach out to my fellow presenters to see if that's something I could drop in the. Uh, Facebook group or something for the listeners to listen to, to the extent that any of them are remotely interested in looking at me, yeah. uh, pretend to be a, a, a sophisticated attorney talking about <laughs> addiction. Um, you know, so I may get that out there, but, I, but it was, I, I think it was really interesting panel to do because 
the three of us on it had very different experiences with uh, alcohol use mm. issues. Um, you know, my story, you guys know. Um, but, I, you know, I had there's another guy on there who um, was drinking a lot, and now he drinks like one drink every once in a while in, with, with intention. And mm. yeah, that, that whole moderation thing. Like, and I didn't know that before we started the panel. So it was kind of a surprise to hear him say it. Huh. Uh, and I didn't really know how, what to do with that. Um, did, he, did he say he was, I haven't watched it. Uh, does he say he was successfully moderating? He, he wouldn't call it moderation. Right. That's the thing because um, he, he basically says that he has changed his relationship with alcohol to the point where he will, he just doesn't, never has more than one drink, mm. you know? And, and to me, that's like, I don't understand that. Like, why would you have one drink? Like, it'd be better to have none drinks, but that's yeah. me, you know, maybe yeah. his, but so I don't know, you know, I mean, he's, he seems like a nice guy and he's huh. like pretty together. Uh, the other two panelists, you know, one of them um, stopped drinking, she was sort of on the gray area drinking scale and yeah. she, she, you know, end of the scale and she's just sort of stopped for, to do a six month fitness channel, a challenge and then realized how much she was drinking and then just continued on. Wow. And now she's like a life coach and stuff. Wow. And, um, and the other one was sort of a traditional, this naked mind, um, certified coach who was also an attorney who works in products liability. So the panel was an interesting cross section of people from the legal profession who had very different experiences with their alcohol use. Yeah. And so I found it interesting to hear their stories, which I didn't really know before the panel. And I was sort of uh, the facilitator and I would jump in and do, um, podcasty type That's things. so cool. Yeah. And you're, uh, you're doing it under your own name. Uh, sort of, I'm doing it under, yeah. Interesting. Right. Cause I was going to say of. you were so worried about your employers, you know, basically right. getting the wrong idea, but now here you are doing these public panels or even if it's private, it's other attorneys. And, and how, how are you feeling about all that? You seem to be Yeah, I'm fine with it. it. It's You know what? If anybody goes to this conference and logs in to watch a presentation about changing your relationship with alcohol, yeah. that you're there for a certain reason, right? And, yeah. and that reason's not going to be like, aha, yeah. I know that guy. And I didn't know he was drinking some, you know. Like, it, so. It's so funny. That was this, when I was first, you know, starting to go to AA meetings, I said to my therapist, like, well, what if I see somebody I know? Yeah. She goes, if you see someone you know, you're both there for the same reason. <laughs> You know, and um, and then that made me like, oh, okay, yeah, but that's that's very true. I think yeah. that's so cool that you're doing that, and that it's. Uh, you mentioned that it may be used for a continuing legal education. Yeah, we're, they were thinking of shopping it around to, so it may end up as a, a, an offering in different states, uh, bar associations uh, for legal continuing legal education credits. That is so cool. Which would be great, you know. So yeah, well, I'll see if I can get that out for you uh, to to look at it if you want. Cool. Um, I think at this point, I'd like to take a break. Let's take a and break. And we are going to, after the break, we are going to talk health and fitness and recovery. Yes. We'll be back after these words. AA offers help freely to any alcoholic anywhere who is willing to admit his own inability to help himself. And though not a religious organization, its 12-step program calls for belief in some power <laughs> outside the individual. 
Yeah, so that was an old AA ad that we uh, uh, spliced in there. Yeah, they don't actually sponsor the podcast. Yeah, no, and they do funny not. to use that word. Uh, we got that from uh, the Anonymous People documentary, which I was sort of planning on doing this show. You know, I wanted to do that, and you wanted to do fitness, but you kind of won the battle of um, of outline writing. It was just too much to cover in one show because we was. were going to do both at the same time. Yeah, which, and no way, guys. Th- that uh, documentary it's super interesting. Um, check it out before we do the show on it uh it covers so many things from criminal justice uh to kids uh you know these recovery high schools um and and all of that so definitely check yeah really interesting so i figured we should talk about health and fitness and recovery Uh, and by health uh, this time i mean physical health because we've spent a lot of time talking about mental health issues on this show you know emotional sobriety uh you know things to, to get your mind right but i think getting the physical aspect of recovery uh, going is equally as important because otherwise you're out of balance. You know, you, your mind can be fine, but you can still have uh, physical issues. Like, for example, your recent bouts with um, uh, anxiety, mm-hmm. you know, had you been running, maybe right. you would have, you know, produced yeah. a little more of endorphins and it wouldn't have been such a, you wouldn't have found yourself in such a stressful situation, right? Yeah. And when I was running, I used to talk about it on the show. Um, I actually would literally, I'd start to feel that way. And then I'd say, you know, screw this. I'm going for a run. Mm-hmm. And I would go ahead and do that. And it was like a treatment for my anxiety. Yeah. And so now it's, a, it's a, you know, I got off of my schedule. Like I always talk about, I need this schedule. I'm so scattered and, you know, that if my world isn't organized, I, I lose it completely. So I, I've fallen out of it. But man, listening to you guys, uh, the monsters talking about fitness and health, uh, it's making me want to do it again. And it's been a big topic uh, on the groups. It's really all about balance though, right? Because, you know, when I first got, you know, made serious efforts at getting sober in the 1990s, uh, I concentrated all of my energy on the physical stuff, right? I started running. I started training for a marathon. I changed my diet around. I lost 65 pounds, wow. you know, but I didn't do any any work, any interior work. I went to AA meetings, but, you know, I, I was not, at that point, I was not interested in changing my mind so much as I was it's, changing my body because I figured all I had to do was do the exercise, you know, lose the weight and I'd feel better about myself and nice. that would be everything that I needed. And you know what? That was able to carry me for considerable periods of time. I strung together a lot of sober time in the early 1990s, mm-hmm. you know, um, but ultimately it wasn't enough, but it really helped. I mean, you know, yeah. I stopped smoking crack, my drinking, <laughs> you know, it's it hard. Also- to, it is hard to smoke crack and run simultaneously. Yeah. Unless you're running from the cops. Um, (laughs) I think the reason why, uh, and I did this early on too, uh, when, when you're focusing on, you know, working out or feeling physically better, it's almost easier to cope with if you're really struggling with a lot of the emotional and mental and addiction issues, you know, who, it's so hard to get a handle on it. It takes so Mm -hmm. much, but for someone who's like, you know, just focus on, you know, exercising. Maybe that's easy to grapple onto, but you're right. When we start getting involved in all the emotional work and the spiritual work, it's easy to forget how important it is to have your body and your mind, you know, on a healthy process. Yeah. Yeah, it is. I mean, it should be the natural progression from when you stop using a substance 
to then start thinking about your physicality. You know, I, I quit smoking back then too, because that was, you know, I just couldn't picture myself smoking, but yeah. So I guess the threshold question though is, you know, exercise, right? Does it actually help people recover from addiction? Uh, yeah. You know, can you use it as a, as another tool in your toolbox to put alongside whatever program you happen to be working for the, for the mental stuff? Um, there actually have been studies. Uh, they did animal studies, which showed uh, regular swimming reduces voluntary morphine consumption in opioid-dependent rats. Uh, let's, let's stop and consider for a moment what that experiment looked like. <laughs> you get a bunch of rats addicted to opium, yeah. and then you make them swim in a swimming pool. <laughs> Only secondary to um, the other study where they uh, um, had... Um, uh, cocaine-dependent rats and gave them ex- uh, access to an exercise wheel where they then reduced their self-administration of cocaine in rats who were previously dependent on the drug, maybe because they were just too fucking tired to yeah. do coke after running on a wheel all that time. <laughs> but anyway, they, they did a study in human beings also. I don't know if they made opioid addicts. They dropped them in a pool and made them go swimming. But um, So... Uh, a small study in humans, it investigated an exercise program that was offered to 38 men and women, so a very small sample, right, mm-hmm. uh, of who misused a variety of substances, including opioids, cannabis, amphetamines, and cocaine. Cannabinoids. <laughs> the uh, amphetamine people must have had good running time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, participants agreed to take part in group exercise three times a week for two to six months. Uh, and out of that 38... People that started, only 20 completed the intervention. The other 18 were like, fuck this shit. <laughs> when reassessed a year later, uh, five reported abstinence and 10 reported that they had decreased their substance use. So a small but a significant study, right? Mm-hmm. Um, other research has shown that if you do regular exercise, exercise it could lead to an increase in abstinent days. That I thought was interesting. Um, they did a, a, a study where they had participants who were struggling with substance abuse commit to a routine, moderate aerobic exercise for 12 weeks, and, and the people that uh, did it saw significantly better uh, substance abuse outcomes judged on uh, days of abstinence than those who did not. Um, so that's, you know, there's, there's not a ton of research out there, but there's a lot of anecdotal research. There is. And I noticed um, when I was in, you know, each rehab I went to, uh, they always had a fitness component to it. And so it's not like they don't, they're not aware of it. Horse it's therapy? Just, um, <laughs> I never got to do the uh, petting a horse therapy, but, you know, they had a, uh, this one rehab I was at, uh, they had a guy who was like, you know, the fun guy, they called him. It was like Chris, the fun guy. <laughs> like the guy. cruise director. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and that was his whole shtick. But it was all about, you know, putting in exercise and they would have us do like yoga. Um, and then after, when I was an outpatient, uh, I was assigned a, uh, a physician who was like an addiction specialist who could mm-hmm. prescribe, I guess a psychiatrist. And uh, one of the things he said on day one, he was part of it was prescribing 30 minutes of running not walking, he said running per day. And of course, I didn't do it when he told me to. Like, this guy's <laughs> right. fucking insane. I'm just trying to stop doing, you know, coke and booze. And he's telling me to go for a run. Um, but now I look back on it and I see that, it, you know, of course, that would have been a brilliant idea. Yeah, but you make a good point, right? I mean, people who have been, 
whose previous six or months or years or whatever have been spent sitting in a, a crack house yeah. or something are not just going to get off the couch and go <laughs> go running. Yeah, they're not going to get on the treadmill and read Annie Grace's book, you know, the day after they come out of the trap house. But you know what you can do? You can't go for a walk, right? Yes, that you can do. That so, you could do. I mean, when I started, I, I remember my own experience was... Uh, I was still smoking and I would finish a cigarette mm-hmm. and then I would run around the block in the Bronx, right? In 1990 with all the little gangsters sitting on their stoops. Yell, oh, look at white guy running by there. Look at fat ass dragging his fat ass around the block. Thank you. And I, I'd be like, well, you know, I'd be like, whatever, man, you know? And then, you know, after six months of that, when I was down like 40 pounds, like all of a sudden they weren't, you know, saying so much shit about me anymore. Wow. You know? it, was, it was pretty, it was pretty interesting, but um, what do we always say, Nat? Do we always say that the opposite of addiction is connection? Oh, well, yeah. James Harry says that. Some people say yeah. it, but we say it too. We say it too. We say it too. I believe in that. So, and, and a big part of recovery is maybe replacing the amount of time that you spend sitting in bars, drinking, or doing whatever with other communities yeah. where you can share other experiences, right? Yeah, community is so important. So organizations that promote physical activity for people in recovery are becoming a thing, right? That's cool. There's a, a, a running club in Boston called the Boston Bulldogs. Uh, they broadened their mission recently to support people with addiction and their friends and family. So there's hmm. You know, you get a bunch of people who are in recovery and who are also physically fit, and you go do exercisey things together. Oh, um, that's brilliant. There's a, a group called the Phoenix, uh, which aims to build an active community of sober individuals through peer-led CrossFit. There's that CrossFit yeah. again. Yoga, rock climbing, boxing, running, and hiking. Well, that's the other thing. If you don't feel like running, and there's a lot of people that actively hate running. Yeah, uh, I was one of those. There's like I other it. shit you can do. You know, go boxing go beat the shit out of somebody yeah it's great you know beat the shit out of other people in recovery (laughs) (laughs) but i i love the idea of because community is so important and the more we do research on the shows that we're doing the more books we're reading the more i'm starting to see how just how important um and it comes down to you know families this uh the town the, the the group of people you're spending time with all of it works together. Um, being isolated is really not going to help. I mean, sometimes I like to be alone, but I get into the isolation mode. That's unhealthy for me. When I'm doing good, I'm involved in a, in some kind of community. I do it, yeah. you know, with the um, with the uh, RMA, the private group, where we're all together having these conversations, you know, talking to you. But uh, yeah, if you can combine that, like kind of like what we're trying to do with the um, the fitness challenge, the RMA fitness challenge, um, you know, it's it's something that could really make a difference. And those of you out there who have joined a community, um, and you you see the difference when you have other human beings mm-hmm. kind of to bounce things off of, just to feel. Sometimes for me, I just want to feel validated that I exist. And <laughs> Don't we all? <laughs> it, yeah, and it sounds insane, but uh, I always had this feeling that I was invisible when I was in school because I, I wasn't the bad kid and I wasn't the smartest kid. I was just kind of the kid, and I always felt invisible, and that carried through. So like for me, it's so important to be just like, 
it's, they know I'm here. I'm having this conversation. I'm mm-hmm. real. I know, you know what I mean? It sounds nuts, but I mean, and that's a really important component just to like be validated. Well, and if you can, you can marry that validation with uh, some physically healthy exercise, like going for a yeah. hike or something, then all, all the better. Running groups here. Um, I, I would love to be in one of these running groups. They're like local people that all run at the same time. See, and- I like, I like the idea of that. It's not practical. I don't know if I, like, I, go, I run, like, early, early in the morning, but maybe once a week I could do it. Like, one of the monsters who said that she joined a group training for the marathons has 7 a.m. on Saturday runs, you know. So once a week, you know, that would be pretty yeah. good. But, you know, it, it's funny, though, how much um, drinking and fitness uh, really have a weird relationship. Um, because there's this, I don't know if you've ever heard of a, a running club called the Hash House Harriers. No. They're very popular. They have, um, they have groups all over the U.S. and all over Europe, and they describe themselves as a drinking club with a running problem. <laughs> and so the whole, the whole conceit of this club is that you run um, across, you don't like run like on roads, you just like run across fields and stuff, like in your, your end uh, your end for the point bar? is a bar, right? <laughs> a pub, and then you sit there and you get drunk afterwards. So, uh. so you know, I don't understand how those two things go together. But at the time, I remember thinking when I was drinking and running, uh, what a what a great idea! What a great it marries idea. together the two things that I'm most <laughs> fond of, you know. But um, and it, you know, I ran for decades while I was still drinking. You know, and and you have to be careful with that because you're doing something that you think is really healthy. You're running every day or whatever your exercise plan is, but you're still drinking, so it can lead to a lot of denial. Like, yeah. you know, look, I'm how can I have a drinking problem? Look at how much you know how physically fit I am, and I, uh, the, you can't see my air quotes, but they're there because you know how fit are you if you're pouring toxins into your liver every day? No matter how much you run, it's like you know they they say that exercise you can't out exercise a bad diet, right? You can't out exercise an addiction either. Either, no, you know? and that's a, a good point. And uh, we see this a lot when people are functional addicts. You know, even I said this when they were trying to tell me that, you know, I had a problem. I, the first thing I would say is, I still have my job. I still get to my yeah. job every day. This is before it got worse, but and I still am married. I'm still this. I'm still that. And then that somehow that makes it okay and, and not destroying my life, you know? And so it, that can be the same kind of thing. Like you're like, oh, I'm running. You know, I used to go to the gym, you know, when I was struggling with cocaine primarily. And uh, right afterwards, I would have a cigarette and Mm -hmm. (laughs) do some coke, you know. And I felt great about it. I'm like, that was a great idea. Look what I just did. I'm on top of it. Um, Yeah. I mean, the the flip side is you have to be careful, though, right? Because, you know, we've talked about addiction whack-a-mole. And, you know, you got to be careful not that you're not substituting. I mean, it's okay to substitute exercise for your drug of choice to a point. Yeah, we're going get to get to that okay. in a little while. Um, anyway, let's, let's talk a little bit more about what are some of the benefits of, of participating in healthy physical activity because they're, they're fairly well documented. Um, you know, one of the reasons that so many people who had uh, addiction issues become uh, runners, ultra runners, yeah. all that stuff is because our friends, the endorphins. Right. You know? I was just reading Mishka Shalaby's book, and he and he starts off as a as a bottom basement, you know, addict, mm-hmm. and turns into just like Rich Roll, right? Ultra runner, ultra runner. Yep. I mean, is that sounds destructive though? That sounds 
like another addiction. Well, you get that, you get all those sweet, sweet endorphins. You get that yeah. natural high, but like any other natural, but any other high, like you build up a tolerance. So you can get those endorphins going, but you know, what you would get in five miles, now all of a sudden you need 10 or 20. Or yeah. in some of these guys' cases, they run hundreds, hundreds of miles, yeah. you know, and I, ain't, who's got time for that? I, you <laughs> like, know, I don't have time for that. I was listening to that Mishka Shalabi and the Rich Roll book, and I was thinking like, how could he, they must not have kids is the first thing I think of. Well, and they, they didn't, you know? Right. And, uh, Mishka doesn't. No. How Rich could, did though. Oh, they, yeah, that's right. And it was really causing yeah. a problem with his marriage. I mean, uh, the, the ultra running is the extreme, of course. Right. What you do and what I used to do uh, doesn't quite take over our lives and ruin our marriages. No. I, uh, I can't even train for a marathon. It's too much time. Yeah. You know, but you find, like anything, you have to find a balance, you know, between yes. the benefit you're getting, you know, versus the amount of time you're putting in. Anyway, so... Some of the benefits of including exercise in your recovery plan are, of course, stress reduction. Stress right? reduction. Um, you know, you, the, the endorphins fire off when you're done. Your circulation's better, uh, which means you can think more clearly. Uh, you know, put, put, put exercise alongside meditation. You have a perfect recipe for stress reduction. The big one that I think is like the most important yeah. is like if you exercise regularly, chances are your sleep quality is going to improve. Yeah, that's a big one. And yeah. man, that was true for me too. And as you guys know, I struggle with sleeping. I'm always waking up three times, but I definitely slept better when I was putting in, you know, three or four miles every every other day. Yeah. And it's a good tired you feel at the end, yeah. not like the tired from being up you know, three days on, uh, on crack. No, no <laughs> it's, it's significantly better. Smart recovery actually recommends, uh, recommends exercise for specifically for, for the fact that it increases yeah. your quality of in, sleep. In fact, smart recovery, here's a quote from it quote, as the body and mind continue to return to a more normal state, many people in recovery find exercise also helps restore a normal sleep schedule. Indeed. Yeah. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. Very good. You know what else exercise does? Right. It improves your mood. Yes. Like, you, you ever feel, feel like you want to strangle somebody and then you go out for a run and you come back and you're like, that's exactly what I like, I don't to want to strangle you anymore. Mike, I got to start running again. <laughs> I have to. I have to. Ugh. I don't know how I And got again, off it's, of it. it's endorphins, right? Yep. I mean, the Mayo Clinic says uh, 30 minutes of exercise per day, not necessarily running, any exercise is mm -hmm. enough to affect a positive change in mood. Yeah, um, the improved mood uh, is a huge part of it. Um, but the problem is it's so hard to convince somebody by explaining it to them before they try it themselves. Because I was in that same camp when of this course. doctor was like, you could just do uh, 30 minutes a day. And it seems like it's impossible. Right. But it only took me trying it once to realize oh, I could do this. Well, people always say if you feel like you're, you're going to go off, go for a walk around the block calm down and why is that you know why didn't i do it i should have done it last night i should have done it on sunday i for some reason it's okay because it's not it's not like right there in your toolbox as a go-to strategy and that's what you need to do you need to stick it in your toolbox right you got to do it regularly just like talking to your your tandem sponsor or your recovery partner every day even if it's not an emergency but you do have an emergency you're practiced in reaching out Perhaps paradoxically, one of the other benefits of regular exercise is that you have more energy. Yeah. Like you'll, you, be you, tired? Ex you expend energy when you run, uh, but you get 
energy in exchange for your efforts. Um, yeah, it seems counterintuitive. You think it's sort of like when it my wires wife, up your metabolism. It, it does. It just w- awakens. It awakens everything going on inside your yeah, body. Yeah, I can see, and you're getting awakened. I'm getting just awakened like now. Thinking about yeah. it. Yeah, um, I think that was the coffee, though. Yeah, <laughs> that's like um, you know, I was talking to my wife. You know, lately we've been so run down, and uh, and then I was like, well, you know, maybe. If we could exercise, you know, together as a family, we could feel better. But it's like I've tried to sell that one to my family. Work, it, no. does, it does not work. But it's hard to get that first step and to say because when you're so exhausted from work and stress, it's really hard to make that leap to be like, okay, now I'm going to carve out a half an hour to like run or, or walk. So it's just really taking that leap of faith and doing it. And then, yeah, it's counterintuitive. If I'm so tired, how could exercise and give me energy? But it really does. If I could offer one suggestion about how to, how to start an exercise program, it would be to put the exercise, whatever it is in the morning before you do anything else. Yeah. And that means you may have to get up a little earlier, yep. but to be honest with you, I know myself and I know that if I waited until I got home from work, or until around dinner time to do anything, it just wouldn't get done. I just, yeah. I just get, I lose all my motivation. Yeah. But I'm a morning guy. Yeah, you're up at five, four forty-five. I mean, <laughs> just waking up. I had to wake up at six today to finish the outline because last night we had a, an issue. Um, but uh, just getting up one hour earlier for me, I was really like dragging ass. But I don't get to sleep till maybe 11.30, and then I'm... Oh, see, know. that's late, man. I was yeah. in bed at 8.30 last night. I would love... See, so much... I could do so much if I could get to bed that early. Oh. So that's that's yeah. definitely the ticket. Uh, the other... Well, another benefit that people often don't consider is that you get a an immune system boost from exercise. It uh, it sort of wakens up your yeah. your immune system. It, um, it helps protect your body from, obviously, from stroke and heart, heart disease. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it stimulates your immune system, so you're able, better able to fight off uh, viruses and bacteria. I, I haven't been sick in a long time. Yeah, not on the that plastic um, thing. I've seen this um, article going around on Facebook about how CBD and THC helps prevent. Have you seen this? I, I did. COVID? Yeah. It's popped up in a few different groups it. now. I actually read through the article, and as it turns out, it's not really the THC that, that's doing it. It's, oh, that's a shame. It's extracted <laughs> CBDA and CB... It's like there's a few other compounds that are not psychoactive that are actually doing the protection. Hmm. Um, that it's. I think that's sort of like saying, I'm drinking red wine because, you know, the, the antioxidants. You're right. like, well, not exactly. Yeah, you could have grape juice, uh, right? But right now is a great time to be, you know, have a stronger immune system for sure. Yeah. Although one questions whether going to the gym right now is like... Yeah, the way to do it with you know. Like, are you at you know? Are you putting yourself at risk? I don't know. This fucking Omicron shit. Ugh. I, I, I don't yeah. even know what to think. I don't even like. Uh, yeah. Can't even think about it. Uh, uh, what's the next one? The next one's a bigger one. The yeah. Biggest. Uh, perhaps the the best incentive to get regular exercise in recovery is that uh, apparently regular movement can help prevent a return to alcohol or drug use. So it prevents relapse. Yeah, I There's think there's been a bunch of studies they've they looked at that suggests that regular exercise can increase the abstinence rate for substance abuse by how much, what percent would you think it was? Uh, I'm cheating. I, I looked. Is it 95%? Yes. Boom. You get it. You like my new sound effect? I um, uh, I appreciate it. No, you don't like it. That's good. I, it was really funny. We need it, a bell. I like it. I like the bell. <laughs> 
you have to have a bell. You know, like the thing when you hit it on the right. Th- right. I like it. No, you don't. I do. <laughs> I do. I love it. I think it's great. Um, uh, I think part of the having the regular exercise uh, is because it's giving you something to do. So many mm. times people talk Filling about... Filling up all those hours. Right. Um, what is it? Idle hands spend time at the genitals or something. <laughs> something like that. <laughs> Maybe that's your religion. <laughs> but, you know... Well, it's mine too, right? A lot of people I've heard talk about in the rooms and in recovery and all of that, they'll say... I was just bored. Sometimes you get someone talking about a relapse. Mm. Maybe they're lying to themselves. It's obviously more than just being bored. But um, boredom and nothing to do, I think some of you guys out there can relate to this. So when you're doing this regular exercise program, you don't have time to think about getting high because you know, you're know you on your schedule and on top of it, you're feeling better. Uh, and I think that is a huge contributor to preventing relapse. Yeah, there's, there's some of these ultra folks out there like, I don't know if you look up like Charlie Engel. I think we talked about him a few weeks ago and he mm. was in an article about, you know, ultra guy. And then there's a Katra Corbett who used to be uh, alcoholic and meth, meth head. And now she runs, she'll go out on the weekend and run a hundred miles like with her dog, but you know, with other ultra runners and stuff. So this, it's a big community, but like, it's true. Like when would you find time to abuse drugs or alcohol if you're if you've got it in your head that you have to run a hundred miles on a Saturday, but you, again, like if, I guess if you're single and you don't have a family and right. you, you know, you spend your time however you, you want, you know, yeah. um, or if you're younger and you're not at that stage in your life where you have kids, you know, maybe, you know, dial in some of those longer runs, I guess. I don't know. The thing you got to watch out for though, is, you know, you know, when you replace drugs with something like ultra running, I mean, are you, are you substituting one addiction for another? People say that you know? shit all the time, you know. People get addicted to, you know, going to AA meetings, you know. Uh, I don't know where the, the, I think, where is the line drawn? Do we need uh, Alcoholics Anonymous Anonymous for people who have, you know, <laughs> taken it and replaced it? You always hear about the guy that's all he does, it's all he talks about. I've heard stories of people who get into recovery and they start spending the same amount of time they did you know, when they say, you know, chase your drug dealer, I mean, chase, <laughs> chase your recovery like you chase the drugs or do yeah. it. And that's insanity because sometimes, you know, you start, you're neglecting your family or neglecting the rest of your responsibilities because that's all you're thinking about. You're consumed with it and it's all you're doing. So coming back to that balance, you know, obviously same thing being true for exercise. Well, I think maybe if you look at um, the definition of uh, addiction, right? Uh, and you apply it to what you're doing in the exercise world and see if it checks all the boxes, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, are you obsessing over the behavior? Behavior? Or are you engaging in the behavior even though it's causing you physical harm? Are you engaging in the behavior despite wanting to stop? Ah, are you doing key. it in secret? Or is it is it you know getting in the way of your relationships and you know other other things in your life, you know? And if you can answer yes to those, then maybe you have to take a look at whether you're suffering from exercise addiction, which is a real thing. Yeah. It's in the DSM, I believe. Huh. Yeah. Um, yeah my, my big red flag when someone's asking me, like, am I, is this an addiction? Do I need help? You know, one of the first things I say to look for is, are you lying about it? Mm-hmm. Like, is it something, because that means whatever it is that you're doing too much of, you know intrinsically that there is something wrong with it, which is why you're hiding it, you know, usually. So ask yourself, is this something I could be honest with my partner about? 
Um, and if not, you know, maybe you need to look a little deeper. Hmm. Uh, is it causing problems? Are you, you know, you're missing a date with your with your girlfriend because you had to go do a Tough mutter race or, you know, how is it see, affecting I, see, your I don't, life? I don't know about that. Like that one, I would, <laughs> I would like weigh those two and say, huh, because the Tough mutter you had to train for for six months, you can always put the date. I, yeah, I don't know. Well, see, maybe I suffer from I this. I think you might be on the edge here. You know, surprisingly, 15% of people who are, Diagnosed exercise addicts are also, at the same time, still addicted to cigarettes, alcohol, or drugs. Hmm. So, so it's there, is, there is a relationship, you yeah, know. The compulsive behaviors um, you have to be careful with. So that's exercise. We should probably spend a couple minutes talking about diet. I mean, diet is weird. When you're coming off of years of abuse of alcohol or drugs, chances are you are not in the best space in terms of your diet or your nutrition. I mean, alcohol affects um, the way that your body processes everything, fat, calories. Um, In fact, if you drink and you eat a cheeseburger, your body will metabolize the alcohol as energy and store the cheeseburger as fat, Mm. which is problematic. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely didn't eat right when I was, you know, struggling in active addiction for sure. Um, you know, it's just one of those things. You, a lot of times you see people who have suffered uh, with addiction for a while. And, you know, with crack, it actually, in meth, it really does wear at the enamel. But oh, yeah. And anybody who gets caught up, I've seen in the rooms, uh, their teeth go bad. They lose their teeth. You see guys, you know. And that's because a lot of the times you're just not taking care of yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's true of, of diet, too. And that's another thing. People get a obsessed with their diets. You see this a lot in recovery. This yes. Super vegan, uh, all of these um, extreme diets. Um, it's an addictive uh, process, you know, to, to do all of that. You can really get sucked into it. Well, I don't want to call like vegans extreme or well, some of or, or keto, people who do keto extreme. I think... I think it's it's your relationship to how you're thinking about it is more important right. than the diet you're actually having because vegan diet can be extremely healthy. Sure, uh, a paleo diet can be extremely healthy. I mean, the the common denominator between all of these diets is that the food is non processed. Right, right. So you're not going out and you're not eating at McDonald's and all this stuff because you want to put the most nutrient dense food into your body that you can find. Mm -hmm. And whether that is plant-based or whether it's animal-based, I mean, you can argue, uh, you know, which is is healthier and which isn't. Uh, I think the science is a little squirrely on um, the effects of uh, a meat diet. I mean... Red meat that you're saying... Red meat, which is cancerous. But but no. No. The study says it's processed red meat, like bacon and stuff like that that's Mm. the problem it's not not, like a steak like a a fresh steak is you know i was talking to my cardiologist a few months ago about this and he he is sort of of the mind that you know what like if if a steak increases if having a steak like once a month increases your odds of having a cardiac event by like some infinitesimal amount then don't worry about it. Right. You you're more you're you're more likely to give yourself a cardiac problem from the stress of stressing about your diet <laughs> than you are about eating the thing. You know, good idea to stay away from fast foods. It's a good mm-hmm. idea especially in early recovery when you've gone through years of of drinking alcohol which prevents your body from metabolizing um uh and absorbing nutrients. Uh you know, just try and keep 
the food fresh. Like stay away from like the donuts and all that stuff and eat food that's that's actually providing you with vitamins. I mean, drink just drinking alcohol alone, I mean, prevents the absorption of like all the B vitamins pretty much, B6, B12. Uh, and that cause can cause anemia, it can cause problems with the nervous system, you know. And then you you run the, you know, if your liver has been yeah, abused for years and years, um, you know, that amplifies the nutritional deficiencies. I never even considered that, but um, yeah, that makes perfect sense. If you're damaging your liver, your, your liver's working overtime, you know, trying to process all the poison you're putting in it, it's going to change the way you metabolize. I mean, the liver, you need the liver for everything, right? So if you're trying to heal your liver, give it liver-friendly foods, maybe things that aren't quite so high in fat or, you know, or sugar, right? Yeah. So Although that flies in the face of the advice I gave an hour ago, that don't worry about the sugar, but don't worry about the sugar for, <laughs> for three months. It's better than being uh, uh, drinking. Right? Yeah, the trick is the advice that I got when I got into early recovery and, and I started to, once I get into it, I started to obsess over everything in my life that was unhealthy mm. and I kind of went overboard and, um, oh, I've got to quit smoking. I've got to quit, you know, I've got to change my diet. I've got to, and, um, and then I would relapse and my therapist would, would often say, you know, listen, I know smoking is bad for you, um, but you know what's worse? Yeah, heroin. Right, um, right. And so right. If, if continuing to smoke at the beginning is going to help you cope with the stress of, you know, getting clean from, uh, from drugs, by all means, keep smoking. Yeah. But with a long-term I agree plan. with that. And so that's what I've been doing. You know, I'm, I'm cutting out with one thing at a time. Uh, the next thing is vaping, you know. But right now, I am not ready to give up that particular tool <laughs> that I've been using. And I want to, and I've cut down. But, you know, it's one thing at a time, you know. If... I don't want to relapse on drugs and alcohol because I'm stressed out that I don't have like a vape. Right. But, but knowing deep down inside that this is not a permanent situation, that I am working towards uh, a gnat that can stop vaping and continue to be mentally healthy and, uh, and well, all of that. And that's important because the last thing you want is this idea that you have to be healthy with your diet and your exercise to like overwhelm you to the point where it drives you back into addiction. Yeah, because then that then it has the it's having the exact opposite effect that you want. You know, so do your diet, do your exercise, do it right, but don't overdo it. Right, I think is the message. You know, it's it's your health first. So triage, like we always say. You know, if you're addicted to alcohol and you have McDonald's every day, start with the alcohol. Right. You know, and you work up to that. When you're feeling better, you can improve your diet. Get on a fitness plan. Yeah, I mean, nobody should be eating. A lot of McDonald's. No. If you do, have the chicken. It's it's The beef is it's a hard, fucking horror show what they do to that stuff. Do you ever have the salad at McDonald's? It's actually not bad. Uh, yeah. When I was in uh, paleo phase, I was eating <laughs> that or I would get like the burger and the chicken and I would just throw the bun away and i just eat the greasy burgers. Yeah, one of those. Burgers, yeah. I used to get, get this, the chicken salad, but of course I would get, you know, the, uh, the breaded fried chicken on top of, you know, ranch dressing yeah. and it's completely yeah. pointless at that point. Right. I mean, you're just not eating a bun basically uh if you guys want to share what you're doing for your uh your fitness um life in recovery this is a hot topic on uh, on the patreon discord in the inner sanctum we're talking about it on the facebook group the private facebook group uh on rma 
Um, tell us what your fitness plan is. Where does fitness work into your recovery? I think we can all learn a little bit from each other. We're already uh, all kinds of interesting things are coming up that I've never heard of. Mm. Uh, so check in with us. Um, and tell us what you're doing. Yeah, maybe we'll throw up, uh, for those that are runners, Don't maybe we up. can throw up some virtual challenges and see who could log a certain yeah. number of miles in a given month or something. I don't know. I'm still kind of kick, kicking that? that idea around in my head. The but. RMA Fitness Challenge. 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 I could uh, write another, you know what? I could write another jingle for that. Uh, <laughs> We're going to work on some jingles, guys. We're having some fun. He doesn't like my um, <laughs> And uh, with that, I think we're going to move on to Recovery in the News. Oh, yeah. 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 All right. Recovery in the news. Recovery in the news. Recovery in the news. You know, we never, I don't think I've ever let that, whole thing play through. It's a really cool end. little song. I wonder how it ends someday. We'll find out later. But you know what? One thing we forgot to mention that really you should be mentioning, yeah. you should be mentioning at every opportunity, Uh-oh. is uh, our theme song was on oh, yeah. an album that you recorded back in the aughts, the early <laughs> aughts, that is now available, is it not? It is. Um, some of the monksters out there were, you know, they've been asking for like, oh, the intro song, can I get the MP3? And it got me thinking... Um, this we did this whole record. Uh, the name of the record is Recipe for the Sunshine, and the name of the band is Kind of Me, spelled K-Y-N-D-U-V-M-E. And uh, it's available everywhere. It was a, a great record. We had a lot of fun. It went nowhere. Um, I always call it the best record no one's ever heard. Uh, so give it a listen. I'm pretty sure it's all free. Uh, that's Recipe for the Sunshine, and it has the, uh, the intro track on it if you want to hear it in its entirety. And a bunch of other fun stuff. Um, a lot of that record was mixed by John N. Yellow, uh, who was Dinosaur Jr., if you remember them. He was their main like producer. No shit. And uh, was mastered at Sterling Sound in Manhattan, which did like Metallica, Guns N' Roses. They do everybody. It really sounds great. It's a good I record. Mean, the, yeah. Uh, yeah, the production value is second to none. Thank for you. Sure. Thank you. So very exciting. So check it out, guys. Okay, on to recovery in the news. Uh, as if we haven't... Bored you with enough stories about fitness. Uh, recovery in the, the news this week is uh, from The Hill, which I thought was really an interesting article called uh, It's Time to Call the American Obesity Epidemic What It Is, an Addiction Crisis. Crisis, epidemic, I feel like that's all we have these days, but go on. Well, I, what's interesting to me is that the author of this article is uh, in recovery herself um, from, I believe, opioids something but she um puts together some compelling um a compelling thought experiment that we really should be looking at uh, obesity as an addiction issue um <clears throat> and she goes through like um comparisons and talks about how purdue pharma uh went through its um issues it was dissolved and the sackler family agreed to pay money but uh according to uh research compiled by the school of public health and health services the estimated cost of obesity in the united states is between 147 billion and 210 billion a year mm. which far exceeds the cost of uh social cost of uh the opioid e- epidemic wow. not that it's a competition right nope. um but um you know individuals bear some of those costs but the rest of the the cost 
per person in this country is about $4,879 for women and $2,600 for men. And that burden is shouldered by employers, insurance companies, and the government. Um, And obesity is responsible for $61.8 billion in Medicare and Medicaid spending. But, um, and it's been getting worse. Even during the pandemic, maybe especially during the pandemic, when uh, obesity is considered a a comorbidity for COVID-19, we've actually been getting bigger. Because I guess because people are home and eating a lot and maybe exercising a little less, but yeah, and um, drinking more and less exercise. It's all you know. You hear these same kinds of comments or studies coming out about drinking, about how all the money it costs everybody. And so she lays down that that uh, statistics there, and then says, you know, as a formerly obese brain and cognitive scientist, and as a recovering addict, I have made the understanding of the impact of processed food on my brain, my life's work. Looking for a weight loss role model in my early 20s, I wanted to understand why accomplished, successful people felt powerless to lose their excess weight and to keep it off. So what she learned was that established behavioral studies shown that sugar can be more addictive than cocaine. Wow. Uh, So the nucleus accumbens, Mm. the seat of reward in the brain, uh, down-regulates its receptors to tolerate sugar's onslaught of stimulation until... In repeated studies, mice willingly sustain strong electric shocks to get their fix. These poor fucking mice. (laughs) Stronger than the ones they're willing to endure to get cocaine. So sugar is more addictive than cocaine is the sort of semi-logical conclusion that you can draw from that. And I thought this was fascinating. It only takes a few weeks of eating the average American daily quantity, 22 teaspoons a day, is the average American quantity for this to happen. And once it does, the brain rewires itself because it's plastic to seek more relentlessly, regardless of satiety, Mm. regardless of the damage to the body indefinitely. Wow. Um, Yeah, satiety. Now I feel bad about recommending people not worry about sugar in the first few months of recovery. Yeah, you should, you know, because it sounds horrible. But um, I just was wondering, uh, you know, if these mice and rats were not involved in these studies, do you think they would still have high rates of um, of cocaine use and well, I uh, think overeating? you've stumbled upon a confounding variable. <laughs> Maybe they'd be out finding this stuff on their own rather That's than right. in the laboratory. You know, all we know is when we force it, force feed them, they're going to do it. But I wonder if there are wild mice and rats out there that are getting addicted to cocaine and overeating. They're probably, do I don't know. And not exercising. Well, if they're drinking the... Uh, you know, the water or eating stuff that's flushed down the toilets. Uh-huh. You know, there's all they've they've tested that stuff and they found it chock yeah. loaded with antidepressants and, yeah. and psychotropic medications and everything else. Yeah, so these poor rats. But um, the uh, but the other interesting thing is like she goes into the marketing of these foods, just like alcohol. Yeah. Wow. It is it's very, like very much exactly like exactly what we talk about with alcohol. So, and she traces it back to World War II when the U.S. government uh, needed to, you know, have all this shelf-stable food to feed the troops overseas. But then, when they came back, all these factories were set up to still make this stuff. Interesting. And uh, so the companies were like, "Well, let's let's turn them into like." TV dinners and all this and, you know, and put all the salt, all the sugar, all the fat. State. Right. And then market it to, you know, to busy, you know, housewives who don't feel like they, you know, cook. TV dinners. That was such a, like, you get the special, you know, tray and it's everyone sitting in front of the TV watching, I don't know, Matlock. And, And of course, if you make food a mass produced product, right, that will engender competition to make the tastiest and the most addictive one because the one who makes the most addictive food gets the largest market share because we're just 
dumb animals that will respond to our, you know, need for sugar, fat, and salt. And, you know, that's, that's what the marketers pander to. Yeah. And uh, the laws, you know, just like the alcohol lobby, what's bigger than the alcohol lobby? Maybe all of these processed food uh, companies, the sugar lobby, Mm -hmm. you know, it's, it all kind of follows that same pattern of money, breeding corruption, breeding addiction and um, lack of health. Yeah. And so this food is put in front of us and people become increasingly overweight and then they feel increasingly helpless. Um, The average American tries to lose weight with a paid program almost four times a year, but there's no addiction framework, right? So the diets leave you trying to cut back or cut down on using without giving your brain the opportunity to heal uh, that consistent absence from sugar or flour would bring, right? In two months off sugar... Mm -hmm. um, her research shows that participants experience reduced hunger, reduced cravings, and increased peace and serenity with food. Mm. So, you, so very similar to, to drugs or alcohol. You take the substance away, and there's a, there's a difficult adjustment period. And then after that, things stable, stabilize, level out. Yeah, and, and they have support groups. I mean, it's, I think it's more rare for someone who's having a problem with their weight or overeating to go to Overeaters Anonymous where they do treat it like an addiction. Yeah. And then maybe if we, you know, instead of putting people, pigeonholing them as like food addicts, we can talk more about how it affects their health. Maybe we could get more people on board with um, making it better. Yeah. It, 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 there's so many other parallels too when you think about it because, you know, think of what, What's like the two remaining stigmas that exist? Um, you know, it's that there's a stigma against people who are addicted to drugs and alcohol, mm-hmm. and there's a stigma to people who are overweight. We, we yeah. look at that as if it's some kind of moral, it's true. personal failing. When That's really, true. it's just, it's this, you, you, you're having this stuff shoved in your face, literally shoved in your face by companies that have huge marketing budgets that understand psychology, that understand how to get you addicted to their... Yeah to their substance in this I case, mean, you know, altered food. Right. And then, and then on the other hand, when, when you, when you do exactly what you're programmed to do, then the rest of society says, Oh, look at that fat yeah. ass, you know? And as somebody that struggled with weight my whole life, I really identify with the, with the anger. I mean, that makes me angry, yeah. you know, because it's in the same way that, you know, uh, someone who is an alcoholic and suffering from that, they're not a bad person. No, you know, they have probably, you know, some anxiety and some mental health issues compounded with society pushing this stuff on them. Just like you see, you know, you can get a beer at Chuck E. Cheese's and it's everywhere and on TV. Well, so is food. So are these McDonald's commercials and I'm very susceptible to marketing. So (laughs) when I see these juicy quarter pounder with cheese on there, um, if I was a hungrier person, I would be eating it all the time. If I was a hungrier person. Yeah, I'm not that hungry (laughs) most of the time, but... Um, yeah. So you have di- see again the parallels, right? Because you have a different set point. Like you're a normie when it comes to food, right? Pretty, pretty. Like me, not me, man. I see, I food. I have to eat it. I'm on the seafood diet. Yeah. When I see food, <laughs> I eat it. Seafood. That's great. <laughs> Interesting. Anyway, that's recovery in the news this week. Fascinating yeah. article, guys. You should check it out. Check it out. Yeah. All right. <laughs> um, <laughs> Which brings us to the week in weird. Weekend Weird. Creepy knife-wielding clown spotted on Google Maps. Yes, ending strong. <laughs> by, <laughs> Nothing by, about diet or exercise. No, creepy knife. <laughs> by who? 
Tim Banal. Mm-hmm. A bizarre Google Maps photo that went viral over the weekend appears to show a knife-wielding clown lurking in a doorway. But the true nature of the haunting Harlequin turns out to be not all that scary. The peculiar picture reportedly taken in Montreal oh, spread, très like, bien. Très bien, <laughs> spread like wildfire online over the last few days after someone noticed the eerie figure hanging around a basement entrance in the image. The unnerving individual appears to be dressed in full clown <laughs> regalia and is holding a blood-covered knife in his hand. <laughs> Many observers marveled at how the person managed to find their way into the picture and wondered if it was merely a coincidence of some kind of well-crafted prank from a very dedicated clown. The mystery was soon solved, however, Aww. when it was determined that the strange sight was actually just an evil clown door decoration that is available at most party stores. <laughs> uh, one can only imagine what the homeowner must think of their simple Halloween display inadvertently becoming something of a brief sensation thanks to the popular mapping service. Wow. And I have to say, they show the picture of this from the Google Maps and it is like horrifying. Like It know, looks like a clown. It's a, a murderous, yeah. bloody clown, you know, <laughs> staring up at the satellite, basically. And it gets, but the scary thing is they get close enough where you can see in someone's window. Oh. That, so they can do that. Yeah. Yeah. That is very unnerving, as I'm, they say. Uh, you know, I'm... Okay. So that's the Week in Weird. The Week in Weird. I'm missing Bigfoot a little bit. I have to... I'll All right. I'll, I'll bring back Bigfoot. It's been, it's been like a month. Well, that about does it for today. I know I had a great time. Did you? It was great, man. I, I can't believe we even pulled this show off today, to be honest. Why? I was just, you know, I was having another one of my, like, I'm overwhelmed days. I'm getting uh, buried days, and it's been since last night, so. Do you feel better, though? I do feel now better. That, now that it, we're coming to the end? I do. I, yeah. I feel better. I will feel better when we post it. That's usually when the, it's like giving birth. It is. Um, Not that we would know, but, no. you know. My wife says it. It's great. Uh, Visit us at middleagesrecovery.com, our brand new website. It's completely revamped and awesome. Um, Podbean, Apple Podcasts. Uh, Leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, please. Five-star reviews. We'll be right on the air. Facebook, Instagram, uh, Twitter. So tweet us at twat. You twit. Um, Join us on our private Facebook group. Guys, if you're not on our Patreon where we do have... A little, uh, a little more discussion and stuff. Join us on the uh, the free private Facebook group. It's been great on there. We've got almost six hundred people discussing recovery. Uh, we do recovery meetings um, every Sunday, eleven thirty a.m. Eastern Standard Time. So join us. We love meeting new monsters and chopping it up on the Facebook group. And finally, the best way to help the show is to share it with a friend. If you get something out of our little show, please share the love and help grow the RMA movement. And as we say, non proficiat perfectum. That's progress, not perfection. See you next time. Be good. Go for a run or something. Bye. Bye.